everybody back to another episode of Embedding the Future of Finance. I am your host, Jay Sailing. Today, we're talking about cryptocurrency. Um, now, over the past decade, crypto has taken over the world. And depending on who you speak with, crypto like Bitcoin are, the, are either the most valuable long-term asset or the most speculative or both. Some have been able to time the market and create substantial wealth and opportunity, while others have not been so lucky. But we're not here today to speculate on the future of crypto price movement. The topic of today's episode is around the utility of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and how companies can use it to acquire new customers, create new and unique customer experiences, um, keep customers engaged for longer, and ultimately use cryptocurrency to enhance their core rewards and loyalty programs. And today, I have the best guest I can possibly imagine for this episode, Aaron Cruz. Aaron's the head of global um, crypto strategy and product development at Alvier. And I'm excited to have you on for this conversation, Aaron. How are you today? Hey, doing well, Jay. Thanks for the uh, generous intro. Of course, of course. So before we dive into this, I'd like to give the audience a little idea about who Aaron Cruz is, where you live, what your background is, and uh, just a, a nice little intro. So let's let, let's hear it. Sure. Um, so I first got into cryptocurrency 2016 or so, and I was living in China. I moved to China after I finished grad school and was working there. And I got into cryptocurrency primarily as a way to send money out of China, to send money back home to pay my student loans. And I started working for a Chinese crypto startup. I worked for a couple of different firms and eventually ended up at Alvier. And so I'm currently living in South Africa, in Cape Town, South Africa. I moved here during COVID times, uh, and it's about time to head back to the United States, I think. So hopefully being stateside soon. Oh, wow. That's news to me. That's great to hear. Any, <laughs> a, any state in particular? I mean, I have a strong preference, but I'll, I'll save it for, uh, right. save it for another right. podcast topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, cool. So let's dive in here. So, so I think... The first question I'd like to open up with for you is talking about a crypto strategy for a company. And I think we can look at this pretty much in, in, in two lenses, right? You have your strategy where it can impact payments, but then also what we really want to focus on today, which is the impact it can have on rewards. So let's talk about, uh, let's start by talking about a little bit about crypto strategy for a company and how they can think about those um, for, for the rewards component. Yeah, I, I think about this in terms of changing user behavior, changing customer behavior, because ultimately you'll know you've done something well and you've provided value to a customer um, if they're changing the way that they interact with your company or your brand. And so I'll put this you know, in the bucket of larger retail companies or larger corporates that have a substantial amount of customer facing interactions. Um, and you know, that's kind of like the basis of this discussion. But the way I think about the strategy is using something that is Web3, something that is crypto blockchain to engage with customers. There's a huge spectrum of what people are doing in this. There's a variety of examples. I've seen some announcements where you know, they've got rewards programs where they add the ability to convert into cryptocurrency, just the same way you would do cash back. But that scales all the way up to some really massive endeavors that brands like Starbucks are doing or Nike are, are doing um, with NFTs and with more substantial involvement in you know, the Web3 area. And so this strategy depends in part on the user behavior that people are trying to 
cause to have happen or the customer behavior that they want to have happen, and also the resources that a company has. In terms of, let's call it customer engagement and daily, monthly, weekly app usage, how would, how, how would you see crypto playing a part in that? Well, we have really good data about how this actually happens. So one of the reasons why people go and check their phone is because they're checking on some new piece of information that they're expecting to see in their app. I think the times where I pick up my phone the most are often when I'm traveling. So like I'm checking to make sure a flight is on time or something like that. Um, but also, you know, I check prices. I'm living in South Africa. So I check, you know, what the exchange rate is from dollars to rand a couple of times a day, probably. And one of the things that PayPal found when they added just a simple buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, that's it. Like it wasn't, you know, tons of NFTs and complex loyalty strategies. It was buy or sell crypto. And they went from like a month, one, one monthly open per user on average to something like three times a day. And the reason why is people got some crypto and then they went, oh, it might've gone up. Oh, it might've gone down. Oh, it might've gone up. You know, the, the volatility, that kind of engagement, um, you know, the volatility of cryptocurrency really becomes a feature and not the bug. Yeah, exactly. So it's such a good point where, where it kind of goes back to the, the, the real overarching topic of this, uh, of this episode, which is using it as a utility, almost like a, like a, like, a, like a piece of bait to get someone back into your app. So you can, so you can start to offer them back within the core, the, sorry, the core offerings of what you have um, in your business, but using crypto as that token to get people back into an engagement cycle. Yeah. And ultimately, this is where we're seeing a lot of traction or user adoption in crypto and in Web3. I mean, price has been down and up and down and up. It's actually quite a bit up this year, but you know, it's not making headlines anymore. And so one of the things that people are finding a lot of traction or a lot of users are engaging with is that volatility as a rewards space. But another piece of the utility is giving people ownership. And that's really kind of the NFT Web3 shenanigans um, that we can talk about. But, you know, there's been a lot of low key development, a lot of big brands, big companies, even bands trying stuff out with NFTs. Obviously, the most famous of this is, is Starbucks. But the whole you know, the whole narrative that NFTs are done isn't true. Like that doesn't bear out in what brands are doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. So I think the the idea of increasing app engagement on a shorter term scale, we covered that really well. But now I want to kind of hit the um, the longer term focus, the, the customer lifetime value focus of this. And you're I- not going to necessarily delete an app that you may have a crypto holding that could go up long term. And the idea of of how offering crypto can increase customer lifetime value um, within those windows. So, so let's talk about that for a little bit. Sure, I think I think about this in the sense of how many opportunities do you get to engage with a customer? Um, you know, you grow lifetime value of a customer, kind of you know proportionally to the number of times that you are able to talk to that customer. You know, think of something where people don't use it very often. Think of like a mortgage broker. Does a mortgage broker care about, you know, the customer lifetime value because those customers touch them once, maybe twice in their lives sometimes. Um, but for companies or brands that have a lot more touch points with a customer, this is a way to really pop LTV for, for those you know customers that they currently have. Um, 
you know, I think this, from a loyalty perspective, there's a user point of view and there's also an administrator point of view. So from the user point of view, you know, the, the customers see this as more valuable than just having some amorphous points. It can really take a pretty bland points offering and turn it into something newer or more novel or more interesting for people. Yeah, I actually care about those points because I could turn it into a, a piece of Bitcoin that could go way up. And that's more compelling than, all right, I got these points and if I get to 100, I'll get a 1% cash back on my next purchase. Um, there's just a lot of creativity that this unleashes in the marketers themselves as well. So it's not just like, oh, the user finds this interesting. I think really, and on the kind of products that Alvier brings to market, are designed for marketers, designed for administrators of points programs, for the people who care about these metrics. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. When, when administrators of points programs or loyalty programs look at the number of points they have, it's a liability on their balance sheet. And so, you know, they're very concerned. These are heavily financialized, very smart people, um, you know, financially savvy, smart people who are working on these points programs. And they're going, all right, now I've got this much of a liability. I need to roll this much of a liability off my balance sheet. And what this type of product really does is give them a, another or, you know, another quiver in the, in the, in the, another, sorry, another arrow in the quiver, so to speak. Um, or no, it gives them a, another tool that they can use to manage the liability points program and they can customize it. You know, they can say, hey, this month we're going to run a promotion of 10% or 50% or two for one points, you know, like that kind of promotion to really get a finer, you know, control over the, the points that, that they're the programs they are administering. Yeah, that's such a good point you bring up. I think as we're, as we're doing some pre-conversations to, to this episode, I, that, that was one of the most interesting um, areas that I think crypto as a utility can, can come into play is the, uh, the ability for you to, re to remove some of that liability off your balance sheet for a rewards program and yet still offer your customers something that's um, of value as well and not just devalue, devalue points, do something like that. Yeah, the devaluation of points is a big one right now. I mean, inflation is a hot yeah. topic on a lot of executives' minds. And we're seeing this inflation kind of creep into points programs where the rewards are being limited or made more expensive or those kinds of things. Um, so this could be a way that brands are able to kind of, you know, bridge that a little bit or, or, you know, make it a little bit more palatable for people. But I wanted to share an anecdote about an existing points program with you, Jay. And I don't know if I've used this on you before, so pretend like it's new to you. How oh, much please, money, let's hear it. How much money does United make for each mile it flies one seat? You stumped me. Uh, give me an order of magnitude. A dollar, <laughs> a penny. I'd say 50 cents. It loses money on every passenger it flies for a mile. And the reason why is because United uses flights to acquire users into their points program. They make their money out of their mileage program, out of their points program, out of their loyalty program. And that anecdote I share with you because it's an example of how heavily financialized and how important these loyalty programs are to the revenues of big companies. And so if you think that big companies aren't paying attention to all of the possible tools to help them manage what is really a core revenue product or could be a core revenue product, um, you know, you, you really have to rethink that, that prejudice against crypto. 
Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a really interesting point you bring up there. So I think it'd be good now if we gave the audience a little idea of, so when we think about crypto rewards options, we talked a little bit just now about converting, say, unused traditional points into holdings. But what are some other scenarios that you that that you think people can create experiences around that would be compelling to to certain customer demographics? On the crypto points part, or like crypto rewards pieces specifically? Yeah, crypto rewards. I I I think we're leading into NFTs a little bit here, but but let's just I'm, keep it on, on crypto bit, rewards. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways you could use this. And it depends on the data that you have on your users or your customers and, and you know, what you're looking to accomplish. We've seen a substantial amount of interest in giving people like a prepaid card, but as crypto. So instead of giving them like, oh, you can convert your points into crypto. It's like, all right, we'll give you cash back as crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you can, you can get a $10 bonus if you sign up to this new product and you can get it as Bitcoin. And the interesting part about that is customers tend to see crypto rewards like that as potentially worth more than a single dollar. So you might get $15 of behavior out of a $10 card if you give that reward to them in the form of something speculative and volatile like crypto. And the reality that a lot of marketers know about these give someone 10 bucks is People, it doesn't change behavior very much. Like you really need a big amount of money to be able to make an impact because people are bombarded with take a dollar here or take $5 there. Like how many emails just do that generically? Um, you know, the volatility really gives somebody a bit more dopamine than just a $5 coupon. <laughs> Not only more dopamine, but I think hope that this, that this $5 coupon could one day turn into something more, uh, more impressive. And yeah, I and think this, that's, this, yeah. I mean, this applies to certain demographics as well. You know, there are a lot of brands are now starting to think a lot more about how they engage with millennials or Gen Z. Um, I saw a really fascinating study. I'd have to go back and check it out. I think it was from, um, I think it was from Fidelity, um, the, the, the asset management company. But I think it was from Fidelity. But the study showed that millennials were more likely to buy cryptocurrency or say they wanted to invest in cryptocurrency with money than even traditional assets. And so the the difference between millennial interest and Gen Z interest in cryptocurrency ownership and older generations is stark. And it is compelling when you think about how to take your legacy loyalty program and modernize it for a new generation of consumers. That's cool. I made a note. Um, to put the link to that study once we figure out which one it is in the show notes. So keep an eye. Yeah, I'll get it for you. I've got it saved somewhere. Yeah, perfect. Um, Okay, so let's hop into NFTs. I think it's a perfect segue. And I think, you know, when you think about using uh, crypto-like assets, digital assets as tokens for rewards, it's, it's a great topic that I think we've seen companies like Starbucks, We've seen a lot of the sport, the national sports leagues hop into this area. Um, and I think you have some other examples. I think Norwegian Airlines you mentioned as well. So let's, let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how companies are using NFTs to not only reward people, keep people engaged, create experiences, create these journeys. I think it's so interesting to look at how 
um, certain companies have really like have really adopted this. So, mm. so let's talk about it. Jay, do you know what NFT stands for? I'm picking on you a little bit. Yes, a non-fungible token. What is what does it mean to be fungible? My last question for you. Okay, so what it means to be fungible to me is uh, you know what? I'm going to give a bad so, definition and I don't want to uh, ruin my reputation here. So <laughs> so if something is fungible, it just means that it's interchangeable with another one. So as an example, mm. a $1 bill is fungible with another $1 bill. You know, if I gave you a $1 bill and I said, hey, man, can I have that other $1 bill for this vending machine? It's crisper. You're like, yeah, man, it's got the same amount of value. I'll do you a solid. Here's a flat, unwrinkled bill. If it's non-fungible, it means that there's something unique about that bill or that token. And so for a non-fungible token, you can think about this in our dollar bill analogy as a dollar bill that has a serial number that's really unique. You know, maybe it's got the serial number 11111111. And someone goes, listen, this, is a, this isn't like the other dollar bills. This is a special one. You know, or maybe it's got like, if, you know, I'm going to date myself. If, maybe it's got like the Where's George thing on the dollar bill and you can like track that one. Um, but really, if something is non-fungible, what it means is it's unique and not interchangeable with other tokens of the exact same issuance. And so this is a, you know, when a lot of people think about NFTs, they think about monkey pictures and art on the internet and those kinds of things. And that was really wave one of NFT use cases. Take a picture, put it on the internet. Doesn't seem particularly compelling. And a lot of people, you know, were, there's a, there's like a whole joke of like, Right-click, save as on all the NFTs. Oh, yeah. um, I, that went through my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a pretty normal first reaction. Be like, bro, you know we can already put pictures on the internet, right? You don't need blockchain <laughs> to do that. But one of the interesting things that you can do with an NFT in blockchain land is you can make digital objects that are wholly and identifiably unique. And that means an awful lot when you're trying to engage fans, VIPs, top tier customers. So that's really the overlap in this loyalty and reward space. And I think there's, there's some really interesting cases of, of what people are doing in this. But just to bring this full circle, the use case for NFTs in loyalty, rewards, and especially you know for brands, is that it allows people who love your brand. It allows your super fans to engage with you differently than random regular people who are still good customers, but aren't routinely and you know, really staying involved in what you do. And so if you give them unique experiences, if you give customers something better as an exchange for their devotion to your brand, that's really what loyalty programs are about. And so it's just another tool Another you know, piece of equipment that people who care and measure brand affinity and, and measure lifetime value and customer acquisition costs, it's another thing that, you know, it's another tool for them to really max those out for the people that care. Where my head naturally just went is thinking about, so if you're an NFT holder for, or maybe for a sports team or a sports league, that tied most times to a unique experience that you then get access to. 
Whereas some, sometimes, it, sometimes, uh, it, yeah. it depends. There's probably two big buckets in this area. Um, the, the experience is one of them, but also fandom is its own kind of bucket, you know, like the collector's items, like the baseball cards at the internet. And, and then you have your kind of Starbucks example where that's more of a journey that gets you access to another level of points or I'm not exactly sure what that, what that ultimate goal is, but it, they're two different ways. And I think it's super interesting to look at, um, to look at those two different avenues and, and see that there's, there's, there's going to be customers who find value in both. And it's really understanding what your customers are going to react to and finding innovative ways for them to interact with your brand. So I don't think it's a one size fits all for this. And I think, Creativity will win ultimately. Yeah, NFTs are not a one size fits all for any organization. Um, I've seen brands that have done this really well. I've seen brands that have done this uh, mediocre. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, you'll you'll really need to work with somebody who understands what they're doing in that space. But I'll, I'll kind of contrast a simple use case with a more advanced use case. Something that I think is pretty simple is that example you referenced before, what Norwegian Cruise Lines did. And I think this is a great, really solid place for a lot of brands to start into their Web3 area. You don't need to go big or go home. You can start you know, in the shallow ends and figure out what this technology means for your brand by doing something like, I, I call it a good cause uh, program. And this could be something like we, we already have a, you know, a, some kind of corporate giving policy with some uh, NGO or a charitable organization that really mm. represents our brand's values. What we're going to do is partner with a local artist, make um, you know something that represents our brand. We're going to make fifty of them, and then we're going to sell them uh, to people that that you know engage with our brand regularly. And then the donate the money from that, the proceeds will be donated to a good cause. Easy low risk, you know, there's not going to be brand blowback on a crappy launch of an NFT because you're doing something new and you're doing it to try to help somebody else. And brands already doing a lot of CSR work, you know, can see this as another way to stretch their donation and their giving into more awareness among the customers of the good stuff that they're doing. Um, I also saw, not in the brand space, but in the NGO space, saw a really awesome use case from WWF. Um, and they created a series of NFTs for the um, for some endangered animals, and so like the number of NFTs oh, that they wow. had, the yeah the number of NFTs that they had was equal to like the number of animals that were estimated to be left in existence. And then if you bought one of those, you know, designed and you know all sorts of cool art, but if, but if you bought one of those, then the money from buying it was used for the preservation or or you know the um, conservation of those animals. Man, I love that. That's just creativity with mixed with good humanity. That's that's a great. I've I'd actually never heard of that before. And it's dead simple. Like it's it is a simple yeah, thing. Totally. I mean, the product that Alvier has in the market is to do this really simply for brands so that they can figure out. Look, it's not that hard to go and make an NFT and give it to people. You probably have customers. You know, there's a Venn diagram of the customers you have with a Web three wallet. Uh, you know, the customers that you have and customers that have Web3 or NFT somewhere else in their life, there's a, probably a substantial overlap in, uh, in what that Venn diagram looks like. So, so I have one more bullet point on this, on this episode outline. 
and I think we would be lacking if we did not cover it. And that's the regulatory environment for handling crypto assets. I think we just we just covered everything that's super fun about this and super new and innovative. But you know, a lot of the examples we gave were companies issuing cryptocurrencies and NFTs that have value to their customers. And along with that comes a regulatory framework that I think is pretty gray right now. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. So if you were to be um, consulting a brand, how would you answer their reservations around the, the regulatory environment? I would say there is a regulated and right way to offer these kinds of products in the market. Just because other people haven't been doing it and there's some good cases of people not doing it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist for brands. And where a lot of brands get in trouble is they try to run before they can walk. And, you know, they're trying to layer a Web3 loyalty thing in. They're trying to add crypto in. And they don't realize that that comes with obligations as a financial institution, as a, you know, to, to handle money, to handle assets with value. And they go, well man, we don't have the licenses for this. We don't have the right team. We don't have the compliance. We don't have the KYC AML policies. We can't do this because of how big that undertaking is. Um, and so I just, you know, my message would be, there is a way to do this. You can work with people like Alvier. Um, you know, there's like, we, we have all of our MTLs where, you know, I'll have all the right compliance licensing stuff. I'll let Luis talk about that on a different podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, there is a way you can do this correctly and really involves making sure that you're working with a partner who is following the obligations under the law. And so when you go and you're exploring, how do I do something with Web3, instead of asking, can I do X, Y, or Z with an NFT, maybe start by asking, do you have the regulatory capacity and the licensing structure to be able to help me bring this to market? Um, and you're gonna find a lot of great tech and a lot of great you know, companies that are doing awesome creative stuff, but they're not positioned to partner with large corporates, to partner with world-class brands because they don't, they also don't have that uh, that structure, those those pieces in place. So my view on this is: look, the U.S. is going to get a lot of regulatory clarity, but we already have a decent amount of it, um, and there are brands, there are companies that are doing this the right way. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Aaron. Well, um, that's all that I have for this episode. I think we covered a lot. We there is the fork in the road where we can go into payments. I think it's best that we that we leave that for its own episode. Um, I think that that's a, a huge thing to tackle as well. So we'll leave, we will um, follow up with a part two to this conversation with that payments. But is there anything else that you wanted to leave the audience with today? I mean, I'm, I'm very keen to get into talking about the payments and cross-border elements of this. I mean, I told you at, yeah. the, at the beginning, that was like a big thing that got me into this. So that's a, that's mm -hmm. a fascinating conversation. No, I just, you know, leave everyone with, if you've got questions about this, even if you're like, even if you're not buying, even if you're building in this space, if you're doing something in the web three loyalty space, um, you know, add me on LinkedIn, reach out to me. You know, I've, I've got contact details on this page, I'm sure, but reach yep. out to me because I eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. I love talking about this. So anytime, anywhere you can, you can get me and we'll, we'll have a good conversation. Cool. Well, thanks for your time, Aaron. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll leave Aaron's contact information at the bottom of this. And um, yeah, please reach out to him if you guys have any questions. Cool. Um, thanks, Jay. Take it easy. Yep. See you.
Embedding the Future of Finance is brought to you by Alvier, the leading embedded finance technology platform that allows the world's top brands to do more for their customers, fans, and employees. For more information, check us out at alvier.com and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest updates, guides, and more.